Mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The end is near. The end of warm weather, that is. <laughs> These uh, past couple weeks, I've been working, doing some things on the outside of our home and our yard, things like um, mowing the lawn, things like washing the outside of windows, things like cleaning the gutters in preparation for, for winter, right? For cold weather coming. I assume that many of you have uh, been uh, doing similar things, that as the season is changing here, that uh, we've been preparing ourselves for yeah, the end of warm weather because we know here in Summit County that once the snow comes, it can Stick around for a little while, and it might be a minute before we can get back outside and do those tasks. We are also, this season, approaching the end of the church year, which is essentially Thanksgiving time for us. The new church year starts right after Thanksgiving with with Advent. And so at this end of the, the church year, we do start thinking about, talking about the end a little bit more. And we are coming to the end of a a series, uh, equipped, the series that we've gone through, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul's letters to his his brother, his, his friend, his fellow pastor in the ministry, Timothy, who is serving the church in Ephesus. And as we get to the end, we are starkly reminded that, yes, this indeed is coming to the end of the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul, who uh, is the most read Christian in, in history, his writings are, um, well, they make up 13 books of the New Testament, right? Uh, he is so- someone who is thought hard about the things that he wrote, the things that were included in the Bible. Someone who has worked hard to, to uh, come to different places in the Roman Empire and share the, the faith of God, the, the mission of Christ, the kingdom of God to those places so that people may believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and, and Savior. And yet, from the beginning of the Apostle Paul's conversion, when Ananias, you may remember back in Acts chapter 9, was a little hesitant to baptize this so-called convert at the time, Saul. But the Lord tells him, go baptize him. For I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. And it's been true. (laughs) The Apostle Paul has been rejected. The Apostle Paul has been beaten. The Apostle Paul has been stoned. The Apostle Paul has been imprisoned. The Apostle Paul has been shipwrecked. And now... The Apostle Paul is coming to the end. 
This is how he says it in our text from today. That he's being poured out like a drink offering. Let me read for us exactly what he says. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Drink offering was part of the sacrificial system in the temple in Jerusalem, and when they gave burnt offerings and peace offerings and the different types of offerings that were offered there, sometimes they would have a drink offering, and next to the altar they would pour out the wine Paul saw this as a metaphor for his life as he's suffering, as he's coming to the last of his days in prison in Rome. Some of us think about death and the end of our days more than others. Maybe that has something to do with just your personality, you're the way you're wired. Maybe it has something to do with your life stage, and you recognize that today you're thinking more about death than maybe you did years ago. Uh, wh- what I found is that uh, over two-thirds of Americans think about death. Think about our last day on this earth. Over two-thirds think about death, and yet, and this is for the insurance folks among us, uh, you you might recognize and and, uh, identify with this next statement, less than, than half of us plan for death. Something like 48%, according to the one study I read, uh, are planning for insurance-wise or, or just what, what's going to happen with possessions when your time of death comes. Not only that, but this is the least favorite topic that people want to talk about today. That, that includes that people would rather talk about money. People would rather talk about sex. People would rather talk about politics, mental health, all of that, rather than talk about death. It makes us uncomfortable to think about the end of our days. And yet, Scripture talks about death. Talks about death fairly Often and so we're we're going to talk about it. Um, we talk about death, and the scripture talks about death really from from the beginning of the book. That uh, the wages of sin is death, as the apostle Paul tells us in in Romans chapter six. We saw this that when, when Adam and Eve first sinned, what happened? Death entered into the world. And I wonder if part of our disdain, dislike of the discussion of death, if part of it can be attributed to the devil lulling us to sleep. We're comfortable 
We live in the 21st century. There is medical technology available. We don't really need to think about death. And yet, it's coming. Save the Lord Jesus returns within our lifetime. Death and taxes. Those are the two things that are guaranteed for all of us, right? So let's talk about it. Let's talk about our death. As we, we, we look at the text for today and these last remarks from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, uh, we, we see him really talking, uh, thinking about death. And, 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 and what death can do is it can start to focus our priorities for today. So there are some, I think, good things in, in talking about death. As we read through these verses, there's a few things that uh, are interesting that the Apostle Paul brings up here. Uh, he says, oh, was it verse, uh, da, 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 da. verse 13? He says this, When you come, speaking to Timothy, Bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Seems sort of benign, right? What's this about? Paul must have really liked this cloak. Is there not a cloak in Rome that he could have bought there? Uh, Maybe this was his favorite cloak. I don't know. Maybe he had an attachment to this cloak like like a child has to his favorite blanket. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. We do know this, though. We know that winter was coming. And so <laughs> the Apostle Paul probably knew that was the case and wanted to stay warm. Uh, and the books, he talks of the, the, about bringing books and about bringing uh, parchments. We don't know exactly what type of books he's talking about here. We'd like to. Don't know exactly. We can maybe... Um, suggest or or infer that some of these books are Scripture, especially based off of what he has said to Timothy just last week in in the letter, where he says all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Maybe parts of of these books, these parchments that were were being brought, that that he wanted, were, were the foundation, the, the formulation of the, the New Testament as it was coming together. Side note here, but you know, up until this point, books, scrolls, they weren't something easily transported. They were, they were rolled up, parchments, uh, they were clumsy, clunky to carry. It's right around this time that Christians worked to bind together what we understand as books today where where they are bound and you know here's christian technology happening right uh, and this continues through the reformation gutenberg and luther using the the printing press all these sorts of things today but uh, so, so we we don't know for sure what these parchments are but my hunch knowing the apostle paul reading him I think it maybe is good theology. What what uh, what books 
would you ask for if you knew things were coming to an end? I, I for one, would say, uh, Eden, can you bring uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life together for me? I want to read that one more time, right? That's a book that's been impactful for me in life and, and in ministry. Death can bring our priorities to focus today when we think about it. And as we read through these last verses, Donald already started to touch on this in her reading. What, what, what's all over? What's all over these verses? A list of names. Not just any names, though. Who are these people? These are people that has, have been with Paul in ministry, working with him, his friends, his loved ones, those who have, have housed him, those who have provided for him, uh, people like, like Luke, author of Luke and, and the book of Acts, Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, Mark, totally, totally worth noticing that he mentions Mark here. Because this is the same Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. This is also the same Mark that on Paul's first missionary journey let Paul and Barnabas down. Halfway through the mission, Mark fled. He fled back home. He was scared. He didn't want to continue. When it came to mission number two for Paul, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out about whether or not they should bring this man, John Mark, along with them again. Barnabas, because he's related to Mark by blood, wanted to bring Mark. Paul didn't because he didn't want to be let down again. They end up going their own separate ways. It was heated. And yet, over the years, whatever 15 years that it's been, there's reconciliation that's happened. To the point now that Paul says this, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. I love it that we get to see the, the reconciliation between brothers in this, in this verse. Luke, Mark, Tychicus, Carpus, Prisca, Aquila. Dear friends, and what does Paul want in his last days? He wants to see them. He wants to, he wants to say hi to them one last time. To the point where, as he's writing to his dear friend Timothy, his son in the faith, he says twice in these verses, verse 9 and verse 21, he says, come to me soon. Come quickly. Winter's coming. We know you can't travel by sea once winter comes. I really want to see you one more time. I really want to be with you. Now, we, we need to be realistic here and careful here not to think that Paul had some sort of uh, fairy tale relationship with these friends. Sometimes Paul was burned by his friends. 
Paul was let down by his friends. Demas is someone who is mentioned here. Someone who uh, Paul mentions as abandoning him, abandoning him in his time of need. And he says this, he says, Demas abandoned me because he was in love with the world. What does that mean exactly? Maybe, maybe somewhere else. Demas found a, a woman that he fell in love with. Maybe somewhere else, Demas found more comfort. Maybe Demas didn't want to be around the Apostle Paul anymore because he saw how things were going down and he wanted some distance from that. Demas was someone that, in the book of Colossians, I believe, the Apostle Paul had mentioned and highly regarded as a friend, as a co-worker in ministry. And yet, the Apostle Paul had been abandoned by him. He, he also says that at his first defense, in, in verse 16, the Apostle Paul says that no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. His first defense, maybe that's like his preliminary trial, if you will. If you remember, he's on, on trial for the faith at this point, for the gospel. And yet... At the end of his life, he longed for and asked for the presence of friends. Paul wasn't going to let those times that he felt betrayed, abandoned, let down by his friends lead to bitterness in his own heart. We can still be friends with people even when they've let us down. When it comes to death helping us to to focus on our priorities, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes this is how my life can feel. I'm I'm standing there and and kind of the opposite of being focused that I'm, that life is blurred that it's it's all about all right the next thing I have to get done the emails I have to respond to the the uh, the next uh, uh, sermon I have to write the next visit I have to make the next phone call that I'm expected to make and 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 life just just starts blurring past me I was kind of in that place this past week where we have uh, had a confirmation retreat planned to happen, and it was supposed to happen this next week, and a few things fell through with lodging, and then uh, the DCE at Gracious Savior, who's um, helping me with this confirmation retreat, his grandfather died, so that put him behind the eight ball as he went down to visit his grandfather and family for in, at the funeral in Texas. And I was super stressed on Friday. And life felt like this. And it was into that that uh, my wife spoke wisdom and said, maybe it's time to just postpone this one. (laughs) And we'll pick it back up when life is a little bit more settled. 
That's what's happened. Focusing on the priorities of today, the relationships of today, I, as I was just plowing through trying to get the next thing done, go to the next conference, all that sort of stuff, uh, I was caught here and, and, and yet Eden was able to speak to me and say, well, let's, let's slow down here. Let's focus on the priorities. And when we think about death in our life too, is this the feeling that we want in our last days? Feeling of, of blurred relationships, of just hurried and restlessness. I don't think it is. So why not live today like it's our last day? Why do we have to push through today and blur relationships and blur our priorities when in fact we can focus on our family, our friends, the Word of God? those books that we want to read one more time. Death has a way of helping us to maintain clarity in that area. What are some things that you can maybe let go of? Maybe, maybe you're like the Apostle Paul and you're imprisoned and you're in chains and you, you have no choice but to let go of those things. Or maybe... You're someone who's young and has, Lord willing, many years in front of you. But you can humble yourself, as our text from earlier says. Humble ourselves. Let go of some things. The things that oh, would make, our, make us feel so good in our pride. I did this much. I accomplished. I made this much money. What are the things we can let go of? to focus on priorities. Death helps us to focus on our, our priorities for today. And death also has another positive effect for us. It, it helps us to shift our perspective to the eternal. The Apostle Paul He's all about the eternal in these, these verses. He talks about how in verse 8, Jesus has laid up for him the crown of righteousness. Why? Because he has kept the faith. He has kept proclaiming the gospel. And Jesus is waiting for him to give him this gift that, that Jesus had earned for him and for all believers. For, it says, he says in the end of verse 8, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award that crown of righteousness on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. It's worth noting how he phrases this here. He doesn't just say, to all who will love his appearing, 
although that's part of it. That's time when Jesus comes back, that time when Jesus comes into this world, when death is completely conquered, when tears are wiped away from our face, where sin is eradicated, where we're given the forgiveness and life and salvation that Jesus promises us through his cross. We, we, we will love Christ's appearing at that moment. Have we thought about that? Have we thought? I, I spent some time thinking about this. Lord, I can't wait to see you face to face. But Paul he says this, to all who have loved his appearing. Jesus' appearing isn't only his last coming, but it's also his first coming. When Jesus appears as a baby, when Jesus appears as a servant, when Jesus appears as poor, when Jesus appears as weak, when Jesus appears dying on the cross, It's that appearing that the followers of Christ love. It's this Lord Jesus that Paul is able to see in the midst of all his trials and abandonment. Right? From an earthly perspective, all he can see is people have left him. People have let him down. From a theological perspective, Paul can see, the Lord has stood by me every step of the way. He can even say this, verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Obviously, Paul can't be speaking about earthly life at this point. He knows that's coming, and yet he has hope in the return of Jesus and the rescue that he alone can give. There is a peace that, that can come for the faithful as they look forward to the return of Christ and in a sense can even say we look forward to death, knowing that death is nothing more than a veil that separates us from our Lord Jesus today. I think of my, my grandmother, Grandma Dolly. Grandma is alone right now. She's been abandoned by people. <laughs> a couple husbands that have divorced her, have left her, so that now, end of her life, she's uh, living below uh, uh, or uh, in, a, in a different life stage in a socioeconomic class than she had previously lived in. Her brothers, her brother and her sisters, have gone before her to be with the Lord. couple of her daughters don't come around much, don't call much, and yet she clings to Christ 
and to the hope that's in his name. She knows that he is her source of life and salvation, that he has stood by her through the thick and thin, so that as she's experiencing this feeling of loneliness, she also has hope. Hope in Jesus. Hope in his resurrection. Hope in life with him for eternity. Hope for a time when, when friends don't disappoint, when loved ones don't go before you and, and, and leave you here on earth. Hope for a day when all things are made new. As we hope in Jesus, may we be like my grandma, like the Apostle Paul, like those who have gone before us in the faith. We, in the midst of, of, of abandonment and fear and even imminent death, can stay focused on the priorities of today and focused on our Lord Jesus and the eternal perspective that he gives us. Amen? Amen.